Welcome to Think Orphan, the podcast for orphan excellence. Real talk with real people navigating the global orphan crisis. Let's join your hosts, Phil Dark and Dr. Karen Hutchison. Hey guys, welcome to the Think Orphan podcast. This is Dr. Karen. Thanks for joining us today. We've got just a really great show. I'm excited for you guys to hear our guests today. Phil, who's on today? Yeah, today we have Andrew Schneidler and, you know, as Karen, as you and I were talking about before we, we pushed record this morning, uh, Andrew's a guy that I've been getting to know over the last couple of years. And the more I get to know him, the more I like him. And, you know, you can't say that about every person in this world. I like to think more often than not, that's how I feel about people. But Andrew's definitely one of those. And, uh, he's the real deal. He's a guy that is living a life, uh, for the kingdom. He's living a life, of integrity and really just trying to do his best. And you know, what I love about it is he's not just kind of keeping it insular. He's, he's really trying to help others do the same, you know, and he's an attorney. He's still practicing and helping people with adoptions and some other things. Um, and he's also, you know, the co-founder with his wife of the Refresh Conference. And that's something that for those of you out there listening, if you don't know about it and you're a foster and adoptive parent, get to know about it. Uh, and it's something that's helping thousands of people who are, you know, just struggling through the day to day of this to really help them to figure it out. And, and, uh, just as it's, as it's called, get refreshed. I was talking to him, I go, you know, it kind of sounds like a spa for the mind and soul. And, uh, he says, you know, that, that, that is So if you ever hear that out there, he'll probably footnote it, but you know, if he doesn't, then, uh, you know, uh, I was joking with him about that. Uh, but he agreed and that's kind of what it's about. So as you'll hear about it, this this interview, I'm excited uh, for you to learn from him, for also just hear his heart, hear the genuine nature of who he is, so that if, if you do see him in the future and you do hear him up on stage, you know that it's not just some shtick and some act that he's doing. So anyway, without further from that, uh, here is Andrew Schneidler. Um, you're going you're gonna to love him, and so take some notes and uh, share with us what you're learning. Well, Andrew, it is so great to finally get you on this show. Hey, man. It's great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, this is something that I've been wanting to do for a long time, and we've talked about it. I, I went back even just seeing the email chains, and we've we've had months, uh, months and months ago was when I was originally talking with you about doing this. So I'm glad that we finally able, were able to make it happen. Uh, for those of you who listened to every episode, you heard Andrew a little, you know, a few weeks ago sharing about the Refresh Conference. That's something that he's doing um, with his wife, Michelle, and uh, so many other people that are involved with that. But, uh, you know, before we get into Refresh and, and Road Trip and some of the other cool things that uh, God's doing in and through you, um, I just want you to share a little bit with our audience uh, your, you know, your story and particularly how you came to the, this world of orphan care. Sure. Yeah. Well, it, I guess um, it, my, wife, if we, if my wife was here. She'd say she always thought of adopting and always being an adoptive parent. All of her kids are adopted. Um, but I never did think about it, frankly. And I remember this is back in the late 90s when we started thinking about it. I was sort of like, well, I'll say whatever I need to say so that she'll go, oh, that's nice, dear. You know, but uh, frankly, it wasn't sincere, really, until we uh, found we had fertility problems in terms of getting pregnant. And so then I'm 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 a problem solver. So I'm like, OK, I saw it as sort of a means to an end. OK, we'll do this. And that's what we did in 2002. I became a dad through a private adoption. Um, but it wasn't until then when all of a sudden my eye, my eyes were open to this, not just this event of adopting and having a child come to your home, but the bigger picture of what's going on. And then even more so, our second and third children were both adopted through foster care. Through that journey, um, God took us through 
we learned so much more about the bigger picture, about the issue of orphans in the United States, i.e. the foster care uh, system, but then also globally. Um, and so through this, something that I was originally not into, I remember I prayed at back then, uh, we were talking about whether, you know, what we would adopt. And I prayed, I said, Lord, I got to be honest with you. I, if you're asking me whether I'm on board with this adoption thing, I'm not open to it, but I'm open to becoming open to it. And that was the beginning. That was sort of the first seed that was planted in my faith. And in this journey, that's gone. That's been a theme that's echoed over and over again through life as God's walked us through this. We'll come to some part and I'll go, whoa, whoa, I'm not open to that. And, but I'm, but then I'm reminded, but are you open to becoming open to it? And so, yeah, fast forward, we adopted all three of our kiddos. Um, after, uh, after we adopted our first, I started, you tend to think about life differently when you become a parent. And so I went back to law school. Um, I graduated law in 06 and started practicing and doing a little bit of adoptions as well as um, real estate at the time. But um, through this process, God has taken us. And each time, each thing is sort of hits me and my initial response is sort of, uh, I'm not sure I'm open to that. But I've fortunately, um, I remember this and I'll say, okay, Lord, but I'm open to becoming open to it. And so um, through that, we've been started in the ministry now. Um, my wife is a pastor of orphan care at our church, Overlake Christian Church. And so we will meet frequently with families who are sort of way back in that stage where I was, where I'm sort of not open to it kind of thing. And it's been a blessing. What people often really need is just someone to listen to them and say, oh, yeah, I, I, I was that was my story, too. And so we're able to walk with people through this journey. And then it's become more formalized as we've done things like refresh and road trip, which we can talk about later. But it's truly a beautiful thing when I look back and say, whew, I'm glad I didn't just say I'm not open to it. Yeah, so. absolutely. No, it's it's uh, it's always fun to hear how how different people have different routes and different ways in. And and I, I think that that's something that, you know, I think the common thing for so many people in this space is is, you know, it wasn't the expectation. It wasn't exactly. what we thought was going to happen. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, uh, you know, as I talk to people, it's like you basically realize more and more that this is God's heart, right? And mm -hmm. when you are getting closer to him and then you're introduced to it, it just becomes, yeah, of course, we're supposed mm -hmm. to be doing this. You know, I don't well, know if that's how it was with you. Well, honestly, so um, when I'm first seeing it, so you got to understand the dynamic of my marriage. In our marriage, my wife's the gas and I'm the brake. And so she's constantly going, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I'm constantly, stop, 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 you know. So each time we'd see these things, and at first I'd be like, whoa, 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 no, no, no. Mm -hmm. However, you're right. When we go, once you start on that journey, very quickly you can start looking in your rearview mirror and going, ah, of course. Mm -hmm. Ah, okay, Lord. Ah, turns out you are God. Turns out you do know what you're doing, <laughs> you know. And so, but it's. The tendency is for me is to pump the brakes still mm -hmm. and because I frankly think that's how I'm hardwired. Um, but, no, it's a wonderful thing. When you look back, it's like, holy moly, Lord, you are good. You have an amazing ability to to write this story. And so it's exciting to think about what's next. 
Yeah, absolutely. Now, and speaking of, you know, what's next? What, what was next from after that start that you talked about? And you'd mentioned the Refresh Conference. Yeah. You know, and can you just, you know, give us a little bit of a, a glimpse back into why you started it? You know, why you and Michelle, you know, had this idea and you're like, a lot of us have ideas, but, you know, mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. let's just do this thing. You know, it, you know, it goes from that concept to, you know, what, what are your dreams for it? And, you know, uh, so, so why'd you start it and what are your dreams for it? Yeah, yeah. So the idea for Refresh started probably, we thought of it, um, I still remember when my wife and I, and then my wife's boss, a guy named Dan Hamer and his wife, we were sitting on an airplane flying back from a different conference. And this conference was a good conference. It was predominantly a recruiting event and the topic of orphan care and why people should adopt and why, you know, very good message. But we were sort of thinking, but what about people who already are doing it? And we were trying to think what's out there for those people. And we were looking and honestly, there really wasn't much. And so, because we were frankly talking about ourselves, Dan and his wife are adoptive family as well. And so we said, well, what would it look like if we did something? And so there's a woman who's a really fantastic therapist in the area of attachment and trauma. And um, her name is Deborah Gray, and she lives up in Seattle. And so we said, hey, what if we just called Deborah Gray and sit, see if we could talk her into coming and just talking and we invite everybody we know and then see what happens. And so Deborah was available in late February. And so that was, and so we, that was the first refresh. I don't even know if we called it refresh the first year, but, but like 175 people came and it, what we quickly realized, first of all, it was a wonderful time of just being together. And if I had a nickel for every time I've heard someone who comes to refresh and goes, oh, it feels so good to realize I'm not all alone. And so it is a, a wonderful opportunity. So we, this, um, 2018 is going to be our seventh year doing it. And, um, our dream is that we can encourage people who are sort of in the river, so to speak, the river being orphan care and, and whatever that looks like, whether that's foster parent, whether that's foster to adopt, whether that's domestic or international adoption or whatever, everybody has a part to play and we want to do our best to support people in doing that. And so we, that refresh, if you went to a refresh, there's, it's sort of, I say it's sort of three parts. It's one third is, is practical expert teaching, you know, empowered to connect type stuff, um, really good um, parenting, uh, trauma-informed parenting kind of training. Um, a third of it is spiritual renewal. Uh, we can't promise anyone, uh, um, you know, wave this magic wand and all the things that are challenges in your life will be perfect when you go home. But we can tell them about our relationship with Christ and how, you know, he's the God of the storm. And so that even though circumstances around us may not be what we like or what we had hoped for, you're absolutely right about that being the theme. Um, Notwithstanding that, you can still have hope and even refreshment through a faith. And then the third part is my, frankly, my one of my favorites. Um, We call it we call it the no way factor. And our hope and our dream is that as soon as people like in the Seattle one, as soon as they literally are turning into the parking lot on the property, the experience is beginning. And we want every part of the experience from when they do that to when they leave at the end to be so good, so surprisingly good and fun that they constantly look at the person next to them and go, no way, no way. And so we do this through, I mean, just excellence, but we do it through generosity. I pound the pavement all year. Last year, we gave away over $10,000, a lot of it actual cash. We throw beach balls out into the audience. And there's these, there's these cards that come with the gift that says, God loves you. He sees what you're doing. Thank you for your sacrifices. Please know, you know, we hope you're blessed and refreshed this weekend or something to that effect. And it's this 
And it isn't always the financial amount. Sometimes it's a free latte card. But it's when you can recognize and see someone and say, thank you. These are people who have been pouring out everything. And when's the last time someone did something for them? I mean, I remember one year we did a thing where we just had someone going around with pitchers of ice water and they were refilling. It's just water. But people were like, I can't remember the last time someone actually poured me a glass of water. And so that's the no way factor. And it's a lot of fun. It's just um, it's uh, Bob Goff would call it whimsy. And mm-hmm. it's um, where people they find their laughter again. So we, we love doing that. Um, and our dream, you asked about our dream. So we started in Seattle and now it's starting to expand. Our dream is that people don't have to fly to Seattle as much as we'd love it if they do, but that the, the secret sauce of refresh is finding community. And so it's sort of hard to find community if you live in Florida and you're flying to Seattle. So our dream is that there'll be refreshes around the region so that you can find therapists who are close to you. You can find friends, you can find, you know, your kids can make friends, who knows? And so we now have a refresh in Kansas city, a refresh in Chicago, and then one in Seattle. And I think, uh, we're, um, we're looking, Ottawa is talking about starting one, Texas is one and Florida as well, as well. So our hope is that if someone needs refreshment, they don't have to pay an arm and a leg to get to Seattle. They can find one close to them. And then they can experience all those things. Yeah, that sounds great. And and just just to confirm and clarify, um, this this is mostly intended for foster and adoptive parents, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. The the original idea was is it's for foster and adoptive parents who are doing it. Mm-hmm. Now it's somewhat um, expanded in that um, as it's grown in popularity, there are people who are prospective foster and adoptive parents. And so I would say if you're listening and that's you, absolutely, you should feel welcome. However, it is, I hope, it should not at all be something saying, you should do this. You should be a foster parent. You should be, you know, it rather it's, this is what you might expect if you are a foster parent. This is what you might expect if you are an adoptive parent. Because we want to equip people, but I am not, frankly, I think if we were really brutally honest, the, the church sometimes might have done ourselves a disfavor by perhaps coercing or guilting people into this journey that maybe they shouldn't have been. And so um, we are we work very hard to um, not lay any guilt or shame on people. We want to just encourage people wherever they are. So, yeah, but it's uh, I would say 90 percent of the audience are people who are currently doing it right then. Yeah. That's always such an important thing that we that I've you know I've talked to a lot of people about too is that that not guilting people into absolutely this because it won't last if you're doing it out of guilt and absolutely you know, it'll be really really the wrong absolutely the wrong reason to get into it mm-hmm. um, exactly can you just tell a story um, if you have one you know that just to, to share the impact that you've seen that Refresh has already had and it's you know in its short history. Absolutely. In fact, um, as I'm recording this, I'm sitting in my office and I'm going to see if I can do this. A guy came from Oregon to the, one of our first refreshes and, um, after refresh ends on a Saturday and some people stay overnight and they come to church the next morning and it's sort of a fun, um, uh, reunion sort of the next day. And I was leaving church and I noticed him. I recognized him from the day before and he was sort of standing there in the hallway as I'm walking out and his eyes were red and moist. And I walked up to him, I go, hi. And he says, hi. And he says, I, I wanted to give you this. And he extended this piece of paper that was folded up like like origami. It was this tiny little folded up piece of paper. And so I'm talking. And so I, I open 
the un, I opened the paper and he's just like, I just wanted you to know how impactful Refresh was. And so I'm going to actually just – this has been on my wall for five or six years now. I'm just going to read this. This is what the note says. When we are in our hometown, there is no one who understands the unique struggles and challenges in our family. We felt isolated and alone. When we are in our home church, there are a few people who understand, but it's very difficult to communicate our needs to people who have not had the same experiences. But here at the Refresh Conference, we are surrounded by hundreds of people who know exactly what we're going through. They get it. One look in their eyes and you know they've been there. Most of them are still there. That feeling of community and shared experience is indescribable. Hmm. And I, I, I hear that sentiment so many times. And um, frankly, that's how we feel, too. And so uh, if you were to come to a Seattle refresh, you'd see me up on stage and you'd hear me say something like, hey, guys, I'm 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 talking to myself now, too. And I think that is what people need is they need this sense of not being the only one, not all alone. So it's 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 um it's very cathartic. And I think it's powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I know is close to your heart and, and, and mine as well. And something that we are very passionate about is, is the importance of fathers, the importance of dads, the importance mm-hmm. of the men in the lives Absolutely. of children. Absolutely. Um, and you know, it's definitely not different with adopted and foster kids. In fact, right. maybe more so in, in some of those situations. Um, but there's a few things that you're doing. And, uh, one is you have a man cave at refresh. Yeah, it's fun. You have the road trip that, uh, right? that you've started up last year. Mm-hmm. And I was really bummed when I kept getting invited to it by numerous people and all of whom forgot that I was not a foster and adoptive uh, father. And I'm guilty. so they had to rescind the invite <laughs> and I saw the pictures and was extremely oh, jealous. I'm not going to lie, but can you just talk to, <laughs> you know, share with our audience a little bit about, you know, maybe what the man cave is, um, and then the road trip as well. And, you know, just clarify to you all out there for you who have not adopted or fostered, you're not allowed to, you're not permitted to go to the road trip. So, um, but that's okay because yeah. it's, it's an amazing time. So share with us about it and, <laughs> and, um, and, uh, just why it's so powerful. Sure. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say, Phil, I remember that call and that was very embarrassing. <laughs> I will say though, your story is not over yet. So I, I, know, you know, I know, as I know. long as I you're may. breathing, there's still hope. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe so someday. anyway, um, so honestly, um, my wife gets invited to go speak at conferences a lot, and I totally think it's fantastic. She will tell you that she's not a good speaker, but I think she's really good at it. Um, and so it's no wonder that she does. But each time she would go to these adoptive mom retreats or um, conferences, I would sort of go, what about the dads? And it wasn't – honestly, it wasn't that I was feeling left out or selfish. But frankly, I was in my work, in my law clinic, and then when Michelle and I would meet with families – Invariably, there was some strong theme that um, that the problem had was something going through the dad's heart, and so it to for instance, it was very much a um, I thought my life was going to look like X, and now my life looks like Y. You know, um, themes of I didn't realize I was getting signed up for this. Um, themes of resentment, shame, guilt. Uh, so. Anyway, we started thinking about this. And so at Refresh, yeah, I'm, I'm passionate about wanting to create a space where guys can be guys. And it's even saying that it's let me clarify, because when you say guys being guys, all of you who are listening to this have a different mental picture of what that means. Some of you go, OK, knuckles dragging on the ground. Some of you says, oh, drinking cheap beer. Some of you says, no, drinking fine wine, you know, see, uh, fixing a car, painting a painting. It's all of those. 
And so in order to address this, what we realized and a friend of mine, his name is Jason Morris in Texas. He said it best. And he's one of the guys who leads road trip with me. He says, true masculinity is authenticity. That's what true masculinity is, is being able to be real, period. So at road trip or at, at, at refresh, we have a fun thing on Saturday. We, uh, the idea of it spun out of what we started was a dad panel. And we did a, one of these panels where at first, when we first did, I thought it was just going to be a thing where guys ask questions and sort of like answer the questions and you know, I honestly didn't think it would be that exciting, but I'll never forget one of the first years we did it. We were asking some of those routine questions, and then some – a guy in the front row raised his hands, this large guy with his arms folded. And I said, yeah, you, uh, what, would you what would you like to ask? And he just sat there quietly. And so I was sort of like, uh-oh. And then I looked closer. I was about ready to ask him the question again, and I noticed his lower lip was quivering and his and his face was falling. And then he says in this sort of – you know, that voice what guys have when they're trying not to cry – a contorted voice. He says, what, what do you do if, if you don't like your kid? What do you do if you, if you are, if you don't like your life, how can you live with yourself like that? And, <laughs> uh, at the time, so I'm sort of type a, at the time I'm scanning my notes and going, this isn't on the script, right. you know, right. but fortunately my friend who's an adoptive dad and a pastor here, he immediately clicked into, Hey man, what's your name? Hey man, and can we pray for you? And from then on, the whole thing turned into this beautiful time of, being honest with each other as guys, bearing our souls, talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so the man cave portion of it, frankly, it took a couple years before that started. What we realize is we're all crying and we all didn't want to go back out to our wives. You know, so we needed yeah, right. like some, we needed some time to, <laughs> you know, find our man card right. again. Right. So we honestly did that and it's fun. We have a beef jerky bar. We have all these different things. We have games, friendly competition. And it was this beautiful, most guys say, oh my gosh, that was a highlight of refresh. Mm. So that's what led me to thinking of road trip is, you know, I'd watch Michelle go on these things. And um, so I started talking with a couple dads, uh, a guy named Mike Berry and a guy named uh, Jason Morris. And we started think, dreaming this up. And um, so, yeah, road trip is something we started a year ago. Uh, it's up in the mountains of Colorado Springs. And the, the name road trip uh, was intentional. We were trying to think of what this is, is a journey that we're on together. And if you think of a road trip, you're going to have boring times. You're going to have exciting times. You'll have planned things. You'll have unplanned things. You might have a catastrophe. Who knows? But the common theme through all of it is you're together with that person. Yeah. And so that is what we're trying to do uh, when we're there. We keep it intentionally small. Uh, we cap it at around 70 guys. The, uh, when my wife looked at the first one, it, it's, uh, it's a half a week long. So my wife was looking at the first schedule and it was one side of an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper for the entire half week. <laughs> and she's like, they're going to want their, their money back. You're not doing enough. And actually that was exactly what they liked is. Yeah. So we, we intentionally leave large chunks of time unprogrammed and we'll tee up opportunities where guys can connect. And what we've learned is true in my own life too, personally, is guys tend to connect over a shared experience more than they do sitting down around, sitting in a round table and everyone go around and, you know, talk for two minutes or whatever, but rather if you're going on a hike together. So we'll hike up to a 10,000 foot peak right around the thing. If you go down to a brew pub in town, if you go up to Pike's peak, if you sit around a fire, a campfire at night, you know, these are the things where guys connect. And so, um, it has been a beautiful, uh, beautiful thing. We do it each year in October. Um, the food there is, so I like eating, um, the food there is off the charts and, um, the talks, it's really fun. What we, what we did, the talks are only about 15 minutes long and 
if you went to road trip, you'd see there's two large tables. Each table seats about 40 people. And the talk happens at breakfast while you're at the table. And it happens at night. And what you'll learn about the talks is, is the Friday one, it mostly just poses questions and things to think about. And it doesn't like land the plane, so to speak. And the idea is throughout the day, you'll be talking about stuff. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. And then the talk Friday night or at, at the end will will uh, encompass that and sort of reflect on the thoughts. And so it's again, this is it's turned out to be a beautiful um, journey that we go on with these guys. And so it's yeah. it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and tell our tell our audience just real quick how people can get involved with that, how they can sign up for that, and then um, you know what the deadlines are, and then oh sure, and also just how to get more information on why you're doing that, just on Refresh itself. Yeah, okay. So with for road trip, if you go to roadtripdads.com, you can get more information. Um, if uh, you can register, I will say it sells out because we cap it, and mm-hmm. so. Um, I'm not sure when this will be airing in relation to it, but if you miss it this October, there's a link there that you can say, get on the update list. Mm-hmm. And so that way, click that and then you'll, then you'll get an email to notify you because it sells out really quick. Yep. Um, uh, but yeah, the, uh, roadtripdads.com for that, um, for refresh, we have sort of a, a larger sort of an umbrella site for all of our refresh ministries. Really, it's called refreshgatherings.org. If you go to there, you can see about the Kansas City Conference, the Chicago Conference, the Seattle Conference. We also do a family camp in the summer. We do. You can find information about road trip, and so um, the the probably the next conference coming up, depending on when this airs, will be the Chicago one, mm-hmm. and that is in October. And so, would love to see you at any of those. But um, yeah, check them out. There's some great videos on the on the refresh gatherings that show you what it, what previous years at refresh were like so you can sort of get a taste yeah so no matter when you're listening to this some of you will listen to it the day it comes out some of you will be listening to this months later but the nice thing is there are refresh uh conferences refresh gatherings and different things like the road trip that are going on they and they're not going anywhere they're going to be around for a long time because i've heard nothing but amazing things about all of these things and uh, the more i hear about road trip the more i get envious so you're, you're causing me to sin more and more by talking about now the food i wasn't aware of how good the food was now i have that to envy as well so thank you for that appreciate oh, it my pleasure my pleasure um so you know folks out there you know for women out there listening get mm. the men involved with this you absolutely know, and, and, and just just be a part of this because it's it's so important for for dads out there foster adoptive dads out there um do this and for dads out there who aren't foster adoptive, get hanging with guys because it's, you know, I'm in a few different men's groups and it is the most important thing we can be doing. So just to be together. And on that note, um, uh, you know, Andrew, just what do you believe the church's role should be in supporting, you know, foster and adoptive dads, but also just dads yeah. in general? And how, how do you see the church doing it well? Um, how can they do it better? Uh, that's a great question. So, yeah, I would say, um, in fact, when you and I chatted a while ago, we talked about this. I, I think... The church is um, continuing to improve and getting better. I mean, the, the church is people, right? So we're going to make mistakes, but we're also going to learn and we're going to continue to try to do things better. And so I really do see the church getting better and better. But this biggest opportunity for improvement in orphan care in general, in my opinion, is the role of dads. Um, it's recognizing that how dads operate and how dads think and what things, um, you know, if, if, you, uh, if you put a guys in a, in a round table staring at each other and say, everyone go around and bear your secrets. 
you know, a couple people will say something, but most guys will have completely checked out. You've lost them. You know, you just have to think about things from a guy perspective. And frankly, I think a lot of times where maybe we're having some misses is no disrespect at all, but it's the people planning things are think coming about it from, from a mom's perspective, not a dad's perspective. So, yeah, I think um, some things that the church is doing well are how they can um, create spaces for dads to be however they are. And I, that sounds too cliche, but it's, I, I really mean it. It's, it's, I think it's a disservice to dads to say, um, Hey, if you're a dad, then you're going to do these things and look this way and talk this way. It men are too, well, frankly, it's human beings. We're too diverse. Mm -hmm. And so you can't pigeonhole us. If you do pigeonhole, all Christians should talk this way. Look, that's the way things were 30 years ago. I like to believe that's not the way the church is today. We're recognizing this beautiful array of people. So um, finding spaces and plugging in dads in whatever way they like to um, serve, whatever way they connect with. Um, I, coming about it the other way, uh, for instance, there I've seen some tendency in the orphan care movement specifically where people seem to sort of tie – um, taking this journey of being a foster adoptive dad with your masculinity, with your, you know, with your manliness. And I, if someone's listening to me and they're from those organizations, pardon me, but I, I don't like that. I do not think, for instance, Phil, you haven't been, you haven't foster adopted, but you, for me to say, oh, geez, you know, oh, gosh, maybe you're just, maybe you're not quite as manly as these other people. That's terrible. Mm -hmm. That's, I, and if someone said that or make you feel that way, I apologize because that is awful. Every, every man is different. And this idea of um, saying, well, you're a stronger man or you're a stronger Christian if you adopt or foster, that's frankly, well, first of all, it's, it's flawed theology mm -hmm. and it's mean. Yep. But second of all, we're creating a disaster for ourselves if we're on the post-placement support world because then we're going to have all these guys who are going to say, what the hell? I didn't sign up for this. Right. You know, I, you know, maybe they went to the meeting because their wife made them or mm -hmm. because – the, they were guilted into it by the dad's pastor. And so I, as you can tell, I, I feel strongly about that. I, I think that um, we should be creating a space and perhaps there's a difference between, um, between setting up a challenge and in love challenging brothers, you know, iron sharpens irons. I totally right. believe that. Say, hey, listen, I know you haven't done this yet. But have you considered this? Yeah, and I know you're afraid of these risks, but hey, listen, you know, we're in this together. That, there's that kind of sort of gently challenging things. But when we go so far as to say, oh, you know, whether directly or whether impliedly, oh, geez, you know, maybe you aren't as much of a spiritual leader in your home because the Bible says, you know, that's a mandate, you know, therefore, mm -hmm. I, I don't, I mean, you did get me started, but that, I, I don't want that. I think what we need to do as a church is to say, yeah, this is what it says. And we, and, but God made us all different. Yep. And, and, and frankly, taking it even a step more broadly, the solution to the orphan care process, uh, uh, problem includes fostering and adopting, but it isn't exclusive to those two things. The, the toolbox, if you will, to fix the orphan care has a lot more tools than just foster parents and adoptive parents. Yeah. And so we need to sp speak more broadly, including reunification and, you know, all sorts of different things. So um, I sort of got off in a rabbit hole there. No, absolutely. But no, and that, that's a lot of what we're that's why we're doing the show really is, is to talk about that very thing, that there are so many different things that we need to do together 
some and everyone will do different things. In fact, you know, I was just recording a different show recently and talking about the collaboration and seeing that everyone has a different strength. Everyone has a different Absolutely. Strength, everyone has a different thing to bring to the table. And if we all did the same thing, we wouldn't do anything. You know, Absolutely we do, we do that right. one thing really well, but that would yeah. leave a million things that aren't being done at all. And 100%. so, yeah, exactly to that point. And that's what I, you know, I've loved other guests that have talked about. And I've used this example many times. Rick Morton early on in this show said he knew a guy who said, I mow lawns and that's how I do foster care. Oh, I go mow people's cool. lawns I who like can't that. do it themselves. Yep. And it was, and it's yep. this old man who could, you know, you can't foster himself at yep. that point. Yep. And so he's yep. like, that's what I'm going to do. So, you know, to that, to that though, to go back to what we talked about, the importance of dads in the, in the children's lives, I'm just mm-hmm. curious to hear from you and your yeah. personal experience. And this is yeah. you personally, right? Not how it's going to look in every place, but yeah. how has it looked in your home in the fostering and adopting? And maybe the same, but it may be different the different roles that you've had as a dad and what that, Mm -hmm. like that Michelle, I I won't say couldn't do, but she couldn't do as well because she's not a dad. If that makes sense. Yeah. So that's, that's a good question. I, um, I would say, uh, there's, there's always a tension. I'm just speaking personally. Mm -hmm. So I, I believe God made me to care about and provide for my family. And built into that is also a sense of security, protect my family too. And, um, but at the same time, I think when God calls me or uh, say us, but I'll just say me on a faith journey, rarely is it going to stay inside the lines. Rarely is it going to stay safe. And so it's for myself personally, I'm constantly in this spiritual tug of war, um, spiritual and worldly tug of war where I feel like, okay, I believe I'm supposed to go this way. But then the the other part of my brain is, are you insane? You know, mm-hmm. here's ten reasons why not to. And so I'm 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 going back and forth with that. But I will say with like, uh, so we had some time as uh, we were fostering some kiddos too, and um, they had never. Uh, it was an interesting thing. They were probably five and six years old, and in some things they like they did never heard of army men toys, and they'd mm-hmm. never heard of matchbox cars, but they could pour milk perfectly without spilling a drip. And they knew all about all these high school type of age pop music. So it was this disconnect where it's like because they'd ra- been raised in situations where they were being introduced to things that were not age appropriate. Anyway, one of the things they had never done is fish. And so I said, OK, you know what? We're going to go fishing. And so it was opening fishing day, <laughs> opening fishing day uh, near us. And we were, it's cold. And so we go down to this lake. And it's we're on the dock and I have all these kids with their rods and um, and um, I'm telling them, OK, here's how you do it. And they'd never, ever fished before. So I'm teaching them. It's a little tiny Superman rod where you push the button on the reel. And and so it's working. We're catching some fish. We're having fun. And the the the, the dock was slippery. And so I'm like, be careful because it's frost or ice. And so they're like, OK, so I'm over with talking with one kid. And all of a sudden I hear this big sploosh and I don't really, I thought, oh, there's a big fish surfing. And no one, no one says anything. And finally someone's like, hey, your kid's in the water. And, <laughs> and I turn and there's one of these little foster kids. His eyes are like saucers. He didn't cry out. And he had a big puffy jacket. So he's still floating. And, but he's just sitting there. So I run over there. I grab him. It's freezing out. So I'm like, okay, fishing's over. Um, but I bring him home. We get him dried out. We warm him up. And, uh, he had caught a fish prior to that and he was so proud of that fish. He was holding it the whole time. Mm-hmm. He was just, he was beaming. He was so proud of himself. And we were just like, 
this is this is so cool. This is so beautiful. And several weeks later, um, kids were, were all doing things and um, playing around and the kids are still there. And we'd noticed the, the family room had been starting to have this odor. And we were, what is that smell? What is that? And we couldn't figure it out. And days would go, it's getting worse. What is that smell? Finally, we pulled the couch back and that kid's trout, that one that he would never let get of, he had hit it back there because he didn't want anyone to have it. And so there it was sitting by the heat vent of the house. <laughs> but honestly, so we laughed. But it was a beautiful thing to see those kids and to high five them. And I wasn't going to there was no they went home and they stayed with their mom. And it was a beautiful thing to give them that opportunity. And then with my kids that I did adopt, um, we have open relationships with their moms, um, with one of them anyway. And uh, it's it's different with every child. But I um, I love it. But um, the same Jason, I was talking about the road trip, Jason. He will tell people, and this is, he's talking to me too. He says, being a kid, parent, a dad to kids who come from trauma, um, I blow it a lot. This is me talking again now. But Jason's like, well, the good thing about that is it's lots of opportunities. He's being sincere that you have to show the kids what humility looks like, what seeking forgiveness Mm -hmm. or repentance. And so I'm like, okay, well, my kids are going to be really good at that because I have to do that a lot. Absolutely. no, I, I love it. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me, and it's the hardest thing, being mm-hmm. a dad. And I, I'm learning that. Things that are of the most value in my life are usually the things that are the most difficult. So yeah. Sure. No, and I think you hit something on the head there in, in that in that response, just to, speaking of there's, there's difference in a kid. For a kid to see a man, their dad being humble, mm-hmm. in a world where that often isn't rewarded. Mm-hmm. And it's not normal. You know, you, like you talked about even things that you said earlier, the man card, different things. Yes. It's the man to be proud, the man to be strong, yes. the man to, and often in our world, humble should be part of being strong, right. but it usually isn't. And, and especially when, when kids are coming from unhealthy situations and kids are coming from hard places, it's rare that they've seen a man being humble and strong. Yeah. A man have integrity and be strong. And I, I keep going back. I listened. I'm, you know, I listened to the podcast you did with Mike Barry earlier. And as I'm hearing you say all this, I can't help but hearing you just talk about Mamma Mia, and <laughs> that you love that movie. Oh, and I do. I a sequel actually coming out. went to. I did see the preview for the sequel <laughs> as well the other day. There, I went to the musical of that with my wife, and I love musicals too. So I think we have this hidden side that you know we are we are strong men who have our sensitive soft right. side, obviously, right. and we are in touch with it, and we're okay with it, and we're real with it, and that's that's something that. Uh, that you know, in all seriousness, actually, is something that's important for our kids to know too. Absolutely, um, you know that it's okay to have that and still be strong. Even, in fact, it reminds me the other day I was listening to the Greatest Showman. Um, <sighs> Such soundtrack with my kid phenomenal yeah. movie oh. i saw you post something the other day about it seeing oh, you know, yeah. your kids i saw it with my kids too but you know there is a certain limit of how many times i can hear the soundtrack in my house but the nice thing about spotify is it goes to a different right thing after you know that ended it went to les miserables and okay. my daughter's like what is this and i said it's nothing but the best musical ever <laughs> and one of the best soundtracks ever 
And um, it just reminded me of that. So anyway, total tangent, total rabbit trail. But folks out there, you know I do this sometimes. But hopefully this has brought something that is important, though, that you hit on in your your answer to the last question of the importance of us being real with our kids, the importance of dads being open with that, and the importance of the kids seeing that – as you said, we make mistakes, we say sorry, yeah. but yeah. even in the midst of just everyday life, we are there for them in ways that show them that they are amazing kids, that we, yeah. that we give them affirmation, but also that we ourselves are humble in the midst of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it, uh, it's really humility is a sign of, of strength. Um, mm-hmm. it often will, the culture will tell us not, but it's, it, uh, I'm 47, but as I get older, the smarter the person I meet, the more they say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, when I was young in law school, the people would, you know, they'd say, well, clearly the answer is this. And now when I hear that, I, as soon as someone says clearly, I'm like, oh, they don't know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but what it is, is it's a strength and it's this confidence in that you realize you're on the journey and that you're not perfect, but you're yep. getting better each day, hopefully. And I think the same is true as a dad. I I love, like I said, I love being a dad Mm -hmm. and I think I'm a decent one, but I want to get better. And, um, I have a, I don't take myself seriously. My wife and I got ourselves t-shirts. My t-shirt says world's okayest dad. (laughs) And I got her one that says world's okayest mom. And I, obviously I want to be a good dad, but it's interesting because some people will see that shirt and they'll laugh. And some people will see that shirt and they'll get all upset because they think I'm trying to be a mediocre dad. Of course Mm. I'm not. But it's this thing saying we need to give ourselves a break and we need to encourage one another. And, um, when we fall down, that's the importance of community. That's the importance of having other guys around us, the road trip, this thing where someone's right next to you on this journey. So inevitably I'm going to trip, you're going to trip Phil, but having guys say, Hey, no, no big deal. Come on. I'm right here. You know, let me, let me help you keep going. I just think that's so important. Absolutely. Well, I know you and I could talk for hours and hours, but, but, <laughs> know. uh, you know, unfortunately we've got to bring it to a close and we have these two questions we ask for everybody. And if okay. you want to yeah. in this, throw any other little nuggets that will allow us to see your inner self, like the yeah. mama Mia, you know, <laughs> you know, confession you made, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know, feel free, feel free to put all that right, in there. Right. But the first question is what, what have you read, listened to, or watched that has impacted your understanding of how we can love orphaned and at-risk children with excellence? Wow. Okay, well, so I sort of have two different categories, one recently and then a few that are not as recent, but they're equally as impacting. The, the recent one is um, Mike Berry just had uh, he just wrote a book called Confessions of an Adoptive Parent. And it's uh, what it is, is it's not so much confessions, but it's this sense of, oh, my gosh, you read this. And so if you're if you're hearing me and you're an adoptive or foster parent, the reason I like this book is this idea of, oh, my gosh, that's my story, too. That's my, oh my, was he in my room, my house, right? You know, it's that sense of connectedness. And so how, as far as with excellence, when it goes to excellence, I really think the key to this whole thing, frankly, the key to the gospel is community. We need others. We need to be uh, uh, interdependent, not independent. And so it's the relationship we have with Christ. It's a relationship we have with our parents, with our children, and it's the relationships we have with each other. And so that that book's resonated with me on that. But if I go back, I have sort of a trifecta of books that started me on this crazy journey. Um, back when I first was practicing, I was, you know, wear a suit every day in a Seattle sky rise, billing my time every every tenth of an hour. Um, 
And I'm sorry, I'm shuddering. Um, but uh, you're giving the, me PTSD on that. Too, I know. I'm so. sorry, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to trigger you. But um, what caused me to leave all that and take a plunge and start a 501c3 and then what I'm doing now? There were three books. First one was um, Crazy Love by Francis Chan. This idea of if if it's really true, then that's crazy. That's and that's sort of the no way factor. That's crazy. Who does that? Well, love does that. Um, and that takes me to the second one that, of that name. Bob Goff, love does the same. I mean, I love his humor. I love, um, you know, he's an attorney too. Um, but in fact, some of the best compliments someone's paid me is someone once said, you remind me of a Bob Goff. And I'm mm. like, oh, if only, if only. <laughs> but it's this idea of having a sense of humor, not taking ourselves seriously, but loving people, yeah. loving people around us and doing it with whimsy and fun. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is um, Just Courage. It's another attorney who wrote it, Gary Haugen. It's a story of how he started, how he left his safe job um, and started uh, um, I, uh, U- International Justice Mission. Right. And um, it, uh, it was, I remember he talked about in that book, he says, you, um, do, do you think God made you to be safe or do you think he made you to be brave? And that is a tough answer to, a tough question to answer, but it's a good question. Absolutely. And I want to say God made me to be safe. But I know he made me to be brave. And so a lot of what we do in orphan care, frankly, is not safe. It is um, it, you're dealing with a ton of brokenness. You're dealing with a ton of trauma. Uh, we have stories in our own circle, in our own church where we have really, really tough stuff, tragic stuff. And uh, but at the same time, that doesn't mean we don't go towards that. And frankly, that's what Jesus did. Jesus went towards the hurting. He went towards the people that no one else wanted to go towards. And so if we can do that, and then if we can find ways to do it loving crazily um, or even having fun, uh, I think that's – I think we can be effective. And that's what I'm seeing with what we're doing. So I I really love that. Now, those are fantastic. I've read uh, three of those four. I I still need to read Mike's book. Um, I'm looking forward to picking that up and and hopefully – get him on the show soon as well but uh but those other three i know gary haugen is his one of his books uh, good news about injustice was mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. one of the things that got me into this work too so right. he uh you know gary un- unbeknownst to him i actually was able to tell him you know of that that he you know he didn't know it before but he had yep. such an impact on that yep. so that was kind of kind of fun so That's well cool. with this last one speaking of people impacting us uh, okay. what person has most impacted your thinking about how we can love orphaned and at-risk children with excellence Honestly, so I thought about this. I think, uh, believe it or not, I think it's my wife. And that seems like a cop-out, but it's true. And I'm going to give you two quick examples. Um, there was a time when we had our Anna. She was our foster daughter at the time, and we'd had her 18 months. And it was the worst nightmare of every foster parent. They said, hey, surprise, we found a relative. Um, you're gonna, you're gonna, we're going to have to say goodbye to her. And by this time, my sons were calling her sister. She was calling us mommy and daddy. We're the only home she'd ever lived in. And we were just, oh, just so panic stricken. And so I go into protection mode. And so I said, they said, there's going to be a transition period for a few days. And I remember I told Michelle, no, we're not going to do a transition period. Call them up. We're going to have them come get her right now. They're going to take her right this evening. And my wife, I still remember, she's like, um, no, we're not going to do that. But then what she looked at me and she said, she says, no matter what happens, no matter what happens, I'm going to choose not to regret the days that we've had with her. And what ultimately happened and this is very, very common is it didn't pan out with the relative and we were able to adopt. But there's that one. And then there's 
my wife has a talk that she gives where she says our job when we're caring for kids are, is not to fix the kids. Uh, and too often I I did this. Too often you look at a child and go, oh, I need to fix this. I need to fix that. I need to fix this. And our job with these children and frankly, more generally with humans is not to fix each other. It's to care for each other. It's mm-hmm. to love each other. So Michelle will do that. And she is she's spot on now. Don't tell her I said she's the most influential person. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't let her listen to this. No, um, I, mean, no I, I love it. Yeah. We get to do ministry together. We co-lead uh, Refresh, so we're up there. Yeah. And we bust each other's chops all the time. I've been married 25 years, and I'm a lucky man. Yep. So, yep. Well, that's, uh, yeah. that's encouraging. That's very encouraging. And it's definitely not a cop-out from uh, what I've heard uh, and the little I know of Michelle. I, I think it's an absolutely it's – a, it's the right answer. So um, thanks again, Andrew. Thanks for your time. Thanks for what Thank you're you. doing. Thanks for all that, uh, you know, guys in and through you. It's, it's, it's exciting to be a part of and to see it just, you know, from afar and the little we get to hang out. Um, I just, I, I just love uh, getting to know you better and better. Oh, you bet, man. I hope it was worth the wait, but thanks for having me. Well, Andrew, thanks again for sharing your wisdom with us, for sharing uh, just the joy and the zeal you have for life. I know that's something that uh, just comes out every time I talk with you. And I hope that our audience out there, all you out there, I hope you you also got a little glimpse of that and a little taste of that. So, you know, I'd love to hear from you, all you out there, um, just what you learned. And if you can just share that with us on the, on the uh, website, uh, on Facebook, just sh- shoot us an email. Uh, that's something that we just... We really value it's something we talk about a lot on this uh, on the podcast, and it's something we really mean. We love to engage with you. I actually spent some time last week um, at uh, the Q conference, as well as uh, you know being able to be a part of the Gobi Love conference in in Atlanta, and just met some people. Just saw you know how getting together and talking about issues and engaging issues is so powerful and something we needed to do more often. Something we really need to go into the nitty gritty of these tough things, these tough issues. And so I know that Andrew's doing that with Refresh. I know that the folks at Q are doing that. The Gobi Love folks are doing that. And, and I just really encourage all you out there, if you're not doing that, to, to start going into these settings that really kind of make you uncomfortable sometimes and, and to really just go for challenging topics, but not just on social media, actually in person with people, actually sitting down with people. That's something we're trying to do on this podcast, something we hope you're doing out there. So Karen, what, what, what do you think? How'd you, uh, kind of engage with this conversation with, with Andrew? Oh, I really, really enjoyed it. I don't know Andrew personally, but I, um, like I said, when I heard his part of the podcast, I told you, man, he sounds like such a cool dude, like a really just real person, genuine and authentic, which we heard themes of that even throughout some of his answers to your questions. Um, in general, just people who have um, an overarching mindset, like I heard from Andrew, even with the way that he and his wife created their conference in those three categories that he talked about. Obviously, you know, I'm super excited when I hear people doing trauma-informed parent training. It's so necessary. It's absolutely essential in parenting kids who come from hard places. But we also know how important our own faith journey is and that spiritual renewal and that spiritual formation allows us to know 
where we are in our walk with the Lord that gives us that strength and that patience and that endurance to be able to carry out those trauma-informed parenting strategies. But one of my favorite things that he talked about was um, what he called their no way factor, which is so wildly important. In my office, when I have the privilege of working with parents who've grown their family through foster care or adoption, it's one of the things that I emphasize so much. He talked about it being, um, I think he used the word whimsy several times, where it was this fun um, piece of their conference where they just kind of do things out of the blue that's really helping uh, families to know that we see you, you're valued, and um, the work that you're doing, the hard work that you're doing is not going unseen or, or unheard, even when we don't necessarily, as parents, see the fruit of what we're doing. And so it's so important that parents, especially, um, he called it parents in the river of adoption. A lot of um, people call it parents in the trenches when we're going through really hard times with kids who have histories um, of harm, where they remember what brings them joy and they're able to smile and they're able to laugh and they're able to have fun. And so I really connected with that on a number of levels, Phil. Yeah. You know, and the thing, uh, as a, as a dad, the thing that really, uh, stuck out to me and, and, you know, as you could tell out there, I'm assuming if you paid attention, you saw that we, we did spend a lot of time talking about the importance to refresh the fathers as well, because so many things are focusing, um, on, on the moms, um, in a lot of these things, uh, and, and moms tend to seek that out more. The women tend to seek out the help more and tend to seek out the fellowship more. And so, so what were your thoughts on that? Just hearing about the man caves and the road trip and the things like that for the, for the adoptive and foster dads out there. Yeah, it's totally on point. Um, I was very encouraged to hear about this. I'll be honest, I've never actually heard of the man cave. So I looked it up immediately and was even in my head thinking of several um, dads that I get to work with that I would love for them to be able to be a part of this. Um, what you're saying, what he's saying is totally accurate. More often than not, it is the moms that tend to seek out um care related to parenting. And even if, you know, for some reason, um, the mom isn't necessarily with the kids as much as the dad may be, it does seem to be that women are a little bit more in tune and a little bit more willing to connect on these levels related to parenting. And most specifically, even when Andrea was talking about when things aren't going well. And so providing men a space to be able to have community with other men, but not just any other men, men who actually get it. And that's so, so important. Everything that he was saying is so true. When families have grown through foster care and adoption and they don't have community near them, or even I would say regular community, um, it just can be so isolating. And um, when families are able to see and then to see in person someone that really understands what they're going through, it can be so important. And I was really excited to hear all of the stuff that the Refresh Conference is doing related to the emphasis on fathers and the emphasis of dads being real and authentic and genuine in relationships with other dads. And that's what he talked about. I think what you guys talked about, um, that true masculinity is actually authenticity and, and authenticity and being willing to be strong enough to admit that maybe you guys don't have it all together or that you might need a little bit of help. Yeah. And some, some people may think that we need more help than we actually do given our conversation about Mama Mia <laughs> and Les Mis. And, you know, we, we were very vulnerable in that <laughs> moment. So out there, I, I hope that you folks out there don't take advantage of that vulnerability, but actually embrace it. And hopefully next time you see us, you think more highly of us for that. Um, so that, that was something that I, I really appreciated about, about Andrew in all seriousness, just the, 
the, we actually were able to share a, a meal and have and sit down for dinner a couple of weeks ago up in Seattle where he's, where he's at. And, you know, just hearing the specifics and some stories and more stories about, about that, uh, road trip and about the man cave. And, you know, I was serious. Like, I'm, I'm totally envious about being able to go into that setting, but that's just how I'm wired. Most dudes aren't wired like me where they want that and want more of that. And, and I think it's just because I've had so much of it over my life. I've been so blessed to be able to have men who have, di- you know, have really taken on, you know, uh, this, the, the importance of really connecting deeply and having a safe place that we can come and just be real and just go into these tough issues and not feel judgment and not feel condemnation for having, you know, different thoughts and different, different feelings. And so that's, it's so critical folks out there. If you're, if you're a guy listening in on this and you're like, man, that'd be so uncomfortable for me. That's not something I see myself doing. You're probably needing it more than, more than most. Right. And, and if you're a, a wife or a, a mom or someone else who's out there and saying, you know, my, my husband needs this, my son needs this, someone else, tell them about it, you know, get it, get them, you know, encourage them to do something like this. So before we go into the recommendations, uh, Karen, any, any last thoughts on, on Andrew and the, and the conversation I was able to have with him? I think he just continually highlights the emphasis and the need for those of us um, as believers to be in constant community, community within our families, community within our marriages, community within our church, and then, you know, community within your gender as a man, not that, you know, men can't have relationships with other gender, female, but just how important it is to be real in those relationships, to seek out community. Yeah. So now, uh, you know, we, we get to do what I, I actually enjoy doing this, this, uh, recommendation section. So, uh, we'll go from the conversation I was able to have with, uh, Andrew to what I've been learning, uh, lately in a, in a book that, uh, reminds me that it's so important for us to go back to the, to the classics, back to the people who have, you know, time has, has proven the, the importance and the wisdom in what they're writing. C.S. Lewis is definitely one of those guys I just finished up and I'm actually going through it again because I know I missed a bunch the first time through. Uh, it's called The Weight of Glory and it's really a selection of speeches and, and pieces that he wrote that someone has brought together into one, one work. Um, but it also reminded me just the importance, like I said, going back to the, you know, Jonathan Edwards, to the, the early church fathers, to the people, you know, throughout history who have written and thought about these issues deeply. And not to say that everything that each of them wrote was right. Um, it's, it's challenging though, you know, not to say everything was perfect or perfectly understood scripture, but these guys were very, you know, thoughtful in what they were writing and something we can learn a lot from. So I encourage you to go out there. If you haven't spent some time in, in really all the works that I've read of, of C.S. Lewis, I, you know, outside the sci-fi ones, which I know have a lot of stories in them, but I, the ones that I can say that I have read through and I'm still reading through again with my kids, Chronicles of Narnia is another one that, uh, is just such great wisdom couched in great story that we can read with our kids and talk through it with them as well. So those are a couple recommendations I have for you guys out there today. If you, if you uh, have more from them, definitely engage uh, with me of your favorite classics, the ones that you think have really stood the test of time and we can share with our, with our audience. So without more about that, I, I look forward to hearing your thoughts on it. And, you know, I really do hope and pray as, as I say, 
almost every week. I really mean it. I hope you take everything you're learning um, on these podcasts and everything else that you're reading and discussing with other people and, you, and you'll use it to help you to understand how you can love orphan and vulnerable children better and better each and every day. Thanks a lot. Have a great week. We hope you've enjoyed today's Think Orphan podcast. For all the information in this week's podcast, please visit us at thinkorphan.com. You too can be part of the conversation. Send your questions to info at thinkorphan.com or join us on the Think Orphan Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again on the next edition of Think Orphan.